Welcome everyone, I'm Sam Sebastian and you're listening to How Are You Doing Really? In today's episode, I have the privilege of speaking with my friend Jonna Goldenflame. She is a transformational counselor and EFT practitioner. In today's episode, we get into the work that Jana is doing with her clients and also she shares about how she found her way into practicing EFT, also known as emotional freedom technique or tapping and how it's really um, a way in which we can all kind of bring our emotional state back into equilibrium. Uh, She also shares about her personal experience this year and how it's pretty unique, I um, would imagine, in comparison to a lot of us um, out there. And I, uh, I just really appreciate the optimism and the creativity and kind of um, forward thinking that she brings to the conversation. I hope you all enjoy. Welcome, everyone. I'm Sam Sebastian. And today I have the honor of having my friend Jana Goldenflame as a, a guest. And I, I really wanted to have you on today, Jana, because I know that ever since you kind of came into my life through um, meeting you through my partner, Finn, um, there's just been this kind of light that I, I see around you and, and just like, a, kind of like this sparkle in your eyes. Uh, just the, the kind of pierces and, and sees, from my experience, sees me in a, a way that can uh, can can be a little um, alarming and, and not in a a, a way that I uh, would say is is negative. I I think it's just more of like wow, I I see you seeing me and I almost feel like you you <laughs> um you're you're there's something that reminds me about the way in which my sister would look at me um and I don't think I've ever shared that with you but yeah there's it it, it kind of it brings this like tenderness to my heart and and just this warmth and and kind of this desire to want to be loved and accepted by you. And wow, do I feel vulnerable sharing that <laughs> in this moment. But uh, yeah, I just maybe open it up a little bit more for you to share about who you are and what you do and yeah, anything else you'd like to add. Thank you for that reflection. It, it means a lot to me because I genuinely love people. And I think that one of my superpowers is that when I love you, you know it, that you can feel it in my gaze. And um, you have such a sweet and tender presence. And you are, of course, the beloved of one of my oldest friends. So you are immediately family to me in that sense. So thank you for sharing that with me. Do you mind sharing a little bit more about like what yeah. you do in the world? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm a transformational coach. I've been practicing and studying 
healing arts and esoteric wisdom since I was a child, but really took it on in a serious way in 2005. So it's been a, it's been, you know, about 15 years of pretty intensive study. I was at the time going through such extreme post-traumatic stress that I had very severe disassociative episodes that would last for hours at a time. I was not able to function. I was in a true mental health crisis. And I found uh, I found a, a healing art that worked for me and I started studying. And then as my life started to transform and my PTSD re- was resolved, I knew that it was something that I had to pursue and share. So I have a background in the miraculous, actually, truly, and that led me to to wanting to share that with other people and to help people through that journey. And since my practice has evolved out of working with trauma, although that that will always be where I've been rooted and what showed me the true power of transformational coaching and healing work. And that's what I have now devoted my life to. That's, that's beautiful. And, and to just hear, you know, it's, it's been part of your own work and now turned into the work that you help others to, to do with them themselves and, and the personal development, I imagine, and also um, just bringing healing to different parts of self and getting really clear on what it is um, you want to bring into into the world. So I, uh, I really admire you and, and the work that you do. And I know that one of the main practices that you use in your work is EFT, correct? Yes, I would say that that is the backbone of my practice, that that is the tool that I always come back to no matter what other uh modalities I'm layering on top of it or other systems that I'm working with to help people parse out problems and solutions, EFT remains the foundation because it's such a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and for people listening who don't know what EFT stands for, it's uh, emotional freedom technique. And um, as I know it, it's tapping along the meridian points in our uh, body and processing uh, emotionally what's what some of uh, the limiting belief systems that we have, um, what uh, is maybe blocking us from fully expressing uh, and, and so many other things. And if there's anything you want to add to, to what I shared, feel free to. Sure. I think that a pretty simple way of thinking about it is that our nervous system carries a backlog of stress that accumulates over the course of our lifetime. And as that stress builds in our nervous system, it short circuits our ability to function with our full vitality. And that can often show up in emotional symptoms, stress, despair, depression, anger, frustration, hopelessness. What's interesting is that when we teach our nervous systems how to dissolve those emotions through the use of this modality, 
we return into to a state of equilibrium and our natural state is actually one of creativity, inspiration, insight, and connection to our own wisdom. Another piece that I think is important to understand that makes, makes understanding this whole simple is that when we tap on these trigger points that are on our body, it puts us into a rapid learning state. So the conversation that I'm able to have with my clients goes beyond a casual level and people find that they're able to get in touch with emotions that they didn't even know that they were still carrying. And as I walk them through a very simple process, those emotions get the kind of attention they need to be processed thoroughly from the nervous system and released. So people are restored to a state of neutrality, but actually in that neutrality arises new inspiration and a burst of energy that makes people want to create and want to grow and want to thrive. But it it's pretty profound how natural it, it is to find that state again. Yeah, and I think something that I just heard and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, but it really brings online parts of ourselves that are there, but aren't maybe necessarily fully connected. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we start to shut down over time when we accumulate the stress. We we often hear that as being called triggered, right? If something Mm -hmm. triggers you or freaks you out, you'll want to avoid it. But actually that psychological trigger lives in your neural networks and in the wiring system that communicates with your body. So with the rise of technology, we understand a lot more about how the body processes stress. And when I say stress, it's really an umbrella term to refer to anything that we would label a negative emotion. I want to be clear that there isn't, I don't really believe that there are good emotions and bad emotions. It's just some emotions are life affirming. They facilitate the flow of life and They enhance our expression of life and other emotions inhibit our expression of life. When we're angry for too long or we're sad for too long, we start to shut down. So it's important to know how to practice the emotional and energetic hygiene to be able to release that backlog to return to a state of that natural life force that wants to express itself through us. I I observe that life is always expressing through us and that we feel most fulfilled when we're creating, whether that is creating through relationship, creating through artistry, procreating, starting a business. Like we want to express the life that's inside of us and that that is everyone's natural state. It's just that it gets um, bogged down by old information that our body has thought it was important to hold on to in case we ever experienced the threat of danger that we would know how to react to an experience based on past information from experiencing that in our history. So we store this information as a safety mechanism, but what actually ends up happening is that it's it's an outdated system. It's an outdated system, and we now know how to process that emotion to return to that natural state of creation. I think about everything that's going on right now with the, the pandemic, with the uh, civil and social justice movements and the wildfires, um, just so much, you know, everybody is, is going through somewhat of a, a collective traumatic experience in this moment. And 
I'm curious just how things have been for you personally. Like how like how are you doing during this time? And yeah, if you don't mind just sharing what, what your experience has been like. Yeah, thank you. I'd like to because my experience has been so different than than so many others, other people's experiences. What's interesting about having this tool at my disposal, having the ability to discharge negative emotion means that I actually can feel pretty great even when I'm facing the unknown, that it doesn't, I don't require fear to be able to be resourceful. I don't require sadness and able to, 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 in order to take action. And that was kind of strange for me at first when I'm looking around and there's so much pain and anger and yet I'm thriving, yet I'm stable, yet I feel inspired. And so it felt, it felt kind of weird to be in such a different place. And I felt kind of disconnected for a little while thinking like, what am I doing? Am I like out of touch? What's going on? But you know, there's this really exciting thing that's happening at the same time. And a moment ago, I talked about how our system for holding on to signals that we've, you know, we've kept as data for how, how we should interpret circumstances and to, to be aware of, of like what could be dangerous or what we should, what our system thinks we should be fearful of. But there's this other movement that's happening simultaneously where we have our primal response to the world, right? Our fear, our anxieties, our anger. So we have one foot in our reactionary primal selves. But then now that we're learning how to shift our mindset consciously through tools like EFT and many, many others and restore balance in our own nervous systems, we have a foot in the future. We are learning how to develop our brains on a very physical level. We're we're now able to build new neurological synapses that inform our behavior and help us connect to our genius. So it's interesting to see this shift in human psychology and our awareness of ourselves and how we operate at the same time that all these external systems are breaking down. And so one of the things that keeps me uplifted in my work is when I'm helping a client through something very challenging, I always know that transformation is happening because I've been through these transformations over and over with myself and with my clients. So I always, I'm always connected to where we're going, not what they're experiencing. And so, you know, bringing it back to this like current external reality I'm watching the way that we are confronting old systems that have to be torn down, but I don't feel upset. I've, I would like to get through this with the least amount of destruction and pain possible. Absolutely. But I also can see past that and I can see the transformation that's happening. And it's really motivated me to, to stay connected to that more than ever to keep my eye on the prize and to keep working with where we're going because the pain and uh, breakdown that we're going through is necessary in order to rebuild. So in that sense, it's, I don't, I don't necessarily feel bad. I don't like it. I don't want this to happen. And I also know that 
it's a crucial step in our evolution, but I feel more connected to where we're going and the potential in the, in, in this chaos, the potential for a new alignment that's going to come through. And I, I think about just how, of course, like when we're in the midst of trauma or in the midst of grieving or uh, being anxious or depressed, you know, sometimes it's really hard to see anything past that, you know, it's just, we're so um, bottled down by, by our emotions and, uh, I imagine using FT can can really just help to get some of that moving because it, it can be so heavy for s- some people who who maybe don't have the skill to process what they're going through in in this time. And I also think about just the the need to be able to feel what we're feeling too, and it, and, mm-hmm. and it's okay, like like you said, not making right or wrong or good or bad emotions but what what they are Um, and oftentimes I find that there's this idea and in spiritual uh, belief systems not all but a lot of the newer ones where people are just kind of bypassing some Mm -hmm. of the the negative emotions you know it's just love and and light you know and and it's not fully acknowledging the the full breadth of emotions. Yes, I appreciate you bringing that up because I am definitely not talking about spiritual bypassing. It's we have to learn how to move through those emotions in a fluid way, right? So that we're feeling them and they're moving through us and that's actually what allows them to be processed, not pushing them away, not denying them, but EFT is a process of radical acceptance. So one of the funny things is that when people, because EFT changes your neurological makeup so quickly, people can start to use EFT to just get the change. They just want to wave the magic wand and have it be over and not actually do any of the work. But then it stops working because they're skipping the most important part, which is the acceptance. And when I'm talking about being connected to the transformation, I'm also in full acceptance of the discomfort, not denial, but the, but the like, okay, this is intense, Hmm. but there is a deeper part of me that is also connected to the outcome. So it's being able to feel both at once. And like you were saying, when we're in that trauma, it can be hard to see a way out, but what does help is when we have a reminder of someone saying, it's okay. You can make it. I believe in you. And so it's not about bypassing, but it's about being able to anchor belief and say, I believe in you. And I believe in us. I believe in humanity. And I believe we have everything that we need to fix this situation. We have the technology, we have the resources, we have the creativity, we have the human power. And if we just get our mindset right, to care about each other and to feel cared for, then the real question is more about how do we use those resources and distribute them? So we need people to anchor that vision and not, it's not about bypassing. It's not about denying what's actually, what's actually being worked through and what's important, but at the same time, being able to be that strong, steady voice that beats the drum 
that says, this is where we're going. And I am going to remind you every day, every day <laughs> until we get there. Yeah. And with, with the people that you work with directly, and, and I, I just imagine you kind of can't help helping carry that with them, for them together. Um, would you say that the, the sessions that you have with people are really co-created or is it more like you were the one? Oh, no, they're very co-created. In fact, it's my job to hold that space, actually, mm-hmm. just like I'm saying, to remind people that they can figure it out and to hold them in that belief. And then they start to be able to access themselves. So I definitely have tools and techniques to help finesse that process, but it's not about me having the answers for someone else. It's about helping them reconnect to what their spirit knows is right and will move them forward. You know, when I started this journey, I was not the kind of person who was going to make a big difference in life. I was not living in a powerful way at all. That concept felt completely foreign and abstract. I that was so far from the reality that I was living because I was so broken, so broken down. But my teacher came along and she said, I know you're powerful and I see you and I'm going to hold you to that standard. And I'm going to teach you every step of the way how to grow into that. And I would not be that a, if someone hadn't been able to believe it for me mm-hmm. <laughs> while I developed the belief myself you know, cause we're social creatures, humans need reflection and we need positive reflection. Just like every child needs to be taught that they're strong and good. Right. And then they will become so. And then the second part to that was my decision. And that's really what I do with people is I help them make the decision to be powerful. So many people think that there's some kind of special prerequisite or something you have to be born with in order to be a powerful leader. But the truth is, is that anyone can decide to be powerful and then you take the steps to grow your skills, but it's available to everyone. Mm-hmm. And then just having somebody believe in you and, and believe in something that maybe you're not even able to believe in yourself is like, wow. Uh-huh. I know that, that I've, I've had those experiences in my life and, and it really has helped me tremendously in my growth and stepping into spaces and, and roles of, of teaching. You know, it's just been, I had an experience this past year where I was invited to teach at a Tantra retreat for a week long uh, retreat that was held in New York. And, you know, the, the teacher, like, really saw that there was there is some insecurity coming up for me and he just kept telling me like I believe in you like you're here because I see that you have something to offer and as I heard that it was just like really can I like take this in can can this be true and it just helped me tremendously to to move through some of that doubt and insecurity and not like it it doesn't come back in every once in a while it does but I think it's just part of the process of, of being a teacher and also holding space for others and just part of my, my, my own personal um, development. And I'm, I'm curious who, like, I know you mentioned your teacher. And uh, if I had to guess, I'd say you're speaking about Sonia, Sophia. 
Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm wondering who else in your life has, has kind of brought in this, like, I believe in you in, in that kind of way. Is it just mostly uh, been her or there have been other people? I mean, she was the original. She's the one who, like, picked me up out of the gutter and saved my life. So for that, she will always have that special primary place in my heart. But truthfully, it's been many, many teachers and also quite a bit of self-cultivation, looking in inward to find the teacher and myself, to find my own wisdom. <sighs> you know, what we're, we're saying, what we're talking about is this idea of believing in something until others can believe in it. And this, it ties into this role of teachers and stepping into being a teacher is that we have the ability to call in a higher level of performance from ourselves, from each other, and from society. And so that that is such a, a key thing to think about right now when there's so much call-out culture that we've been focusing on what people are doing wrong and shaming each other. And I understand there's a lot of pain and anger right now. And people are becoming afraid to be teachers, to step up and to rise up because they don't want to be singled out. And I will just say that I hold the the title of teacher of for like a, I hold it in such high regard. I hold all teachers in such high high regard that it's it's something that's so needed is for people to to step up and empower others. Mm-hmm. And when we're thinking about how we can move through this time, it's about calling ourselves into a greater level of greatness, calling society into a greater level of, um, like being solution oriented, being creative, being able to rise and rejuvenate itself. Right. And teachers play such an important role in that. So I just want to say, while we're talking about like all this pain and calling, calling in something bigger and better, Teachers play such a crucial role in that. And what's exciting is that while people are also so afraid to step up, at the same time, you see more people wanting to share their ideas and wanting to rise into a position of leading and teaching than ever. And I, for one, am so excited about (laughs) that trend because we need as many good examples as we can. Like the market can never be saturated. And when it is, I will rejoice. <laughs> oh, I wanted to, to just also kind of bring in a little more of just if you're open to sharing um, in regards to systemic racism Um to marginalized communities, to people who've been oppressed, and um, you being a woman, um, I'm not sure how you identify race-wise, but how do we, like, how do you see people moving forward in in a way where 
it just seems like there's it's so adversarial right now there's it's just us versus them and it's like how do we break out of this cycle and and see something new and different and, and maybe what is what's your kind of perception of of all of this i think that we can move that move through this fairly quickly if we're willing to be loving if we're just willing to be loving and humble be loving with ourselves so that we stop trying to defend <laughs> the ways that we are making up for our ancestors and i think that you know there's healing on all sides so i'll say that i'm i identify as white and i also come from a Jewish lineage and people, you know, a a Semitic, like tribal Jewish lineage. And people often mistake me, mistake me as a woman of color because of my olive skin and my darker complexions and my curves. And so people can, can kind of, it it can be a little racially ambiguous for some, Mm -hmm. but I feel that it's important for me to claim the title of white because I was raised in this country without any real connection to my heritage. I didn't have a sense of there being some other heritage I could connect to other than what was my modern day American culture. And I think that it's important for me to, to, to claim the title of white so that I can help do the good work and the healing. There is, uh, half half of my lineage is north northwestern European, and um, and so this is really an opportunity for me to make up for decisions that my ancestors decisions that my ancestors made and the egregious and terrible acts that were committed and. You know, it's it's funny because like what I was saying earlier about the transformation is that it's, it it has the potential to be so uncomfortable, but honestly, my rejoicing at the opportunity for healing and to make things right is so great that it doesn't feel so confronting to me. Mm-hmm. That I'm so excited there will be healing on both on all sides. You know, all sides. I think that there is a tremendous amount of healing for white people to do as well, feeling separated from their original cultures and origins and atoning for the crimes of our ancestors. But I believe in redemption. And I don't I don't see redemption the way other people see it. I feel like in order to in order to actually experience redemption and to be redeemed it means like rising into a level of greatness that makes up for what has been done right it's not about suffering it's not about oh we did something bad and now we should just feel bad forever because what a waste of time and waste of life but actually claiming the process of redemption for ourselves means rising to the occasion and being more loving and more patient and facing the fury, (laughs) the fiery rage that is coming up to be witnessed right now. And that's where we get into not spiritually bypassing, Mm -hmm. but actually being witness 
and holding space and loving and just loving and loving and say, I see your rage and I get it. I love you. I'm listening. It doesn't mean weaponizing it against myself because it was not my fault that I was born into this paradigm. And it's not even my fault that I was given racist ideas through my education and learning about what racism actually is when it's so much more nuanced than I was ever taught that it was as a child has been a beautiful process because I don't want it. I don't want to be racist. So the opportunity for me to work it out and be rid of it is like, I am, I am very enthusiastic about that process because there, I, I do not choose to be aligned with hatred and separation. And so if we can bring that enthusiasm and the connection to the transformation that's actually taking place, we have a greater bandwidth to also hold space where there is pain and where there are serious conversations that need to be had and Mm -hmm. amends to be made. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think about just my own experience of, of knowing uh, the the internalized racism that I carry, and and just the just because of who I grew up with and around, and the communities I was in, the education system, everything. You know, I I see how like my lens is is a bit there. There is uh, a bit of racism that that's just naturally kind of instilled in me and. I have a hard time being enthusiastic about racism and and seeing things shift and change, especially with what I'm seeing in in our like leaders, our political leaders right now in our country, and um, just how much people have kind of come forward because there's this permission to speak or say whatever is on their mind. And maybe it's, they've been carrying it all along, but it's just, it's really been challenging for me to witness and, and stay hopeful that I, I am, you know, and I, I guess what, what might you, you say to, to someone who, is uh, maybe African American or or black and and are directly experiencing uh, injustice and and racism towards them? Like, how did they like what what would they <laughs> tap into to to kind of uh, continue to move forward and not feel defeated or deflated or just hold so much anger and rage for what's kind of built been built up against them? You know, that's a good question. It's a hard question. It's not even a question that I'm sure that I am qualified to answer as a white woman. Like who am I to tell them what they need or how to make it through this? But I can say that what I say to my personal friends, which is very different than what I would say to the public, right? I say to the, to the women that I'm friends with, I tell them I love them. I check on them. 
And I try to offer them opportunities, resources, and I just advocate for them. I try to share and just show up as a good friend. And that's probably the best that I can do other than saying what people should do. But I do know that in in my perspective, there really is such a thing as black magic, as a beautiful, beautiful soul that has made it through so much adversity and oppression and their ability to dance and pray and even in the anger want equality, you know, that being the overarching demand, not certainly for everyone. I can't, can't say what everyone feels, Mm -hmm. but I just, I don't know. There's a real special spirit to that lineage And all I can really do is be a good friend and also be active, use my voice Mm -hmm. to help kind of cool, cool, cool the emotions, especially of other white people. I feel like that's actually where my voice belongs is not so much trying to tell, you know, black people how they can make it through this time because I, I just can't. I can't even pretend to know exactly what they're going through. But what I can do is I can help white people feel patient and connected to themselves and connect with the desire to do this healing work for everyone involved. You know, I will say that those of us who are born in this paradigm, we were born into a racist paradigm. We were born into a sexist paradigm, a homophobic paradigm, right? An ageist, a sizist paradigm, a misogynist paradigm. It's like we were born into this time. And so all of those things exist inside of us, not by our own doing, but because that is what we were born into. And so there's not really a need to be ashamed of that personally. It is a shame that it exists. And it is by our own doing that it will be undone. But being able to separate those, being able to separate those things and being able to love ourselves so that we can say, what am I really here to do? And what does my heart truly care about? My heart truly cares about the safety and well-being of humanity as a whole, because we're all in this together. We're all on this planet together. And it's best for us to come to come at it that way. So true. We we are in this together, and I I think that's something we we need to remember because it's so easy to feel isolated or alone in this experience, and and as long as we remember to stay connected and show up for our friends in in the way that you were speaking of, you know, just letting them know that you love them and you're there for them. And, and also recognizing maybe this isn't my position to tell them what they could or should do. But, but uh, as you mentioned, also just having the conversations with the people that you can and, and maybe um, really help to generate more of those conversations widespread. Um, because I, I think that's one of the biggest things is, is talking about what's happening. You know, if we're not talking about it, 
and just numbing out by watching TV or uh, coping <laughs> with our emotions with food, substances, whatever it might be. It's it's like we're not really we're just kicking the can it. down the road. Honestly, mm-hmm. if we're avoiding it, you know, my partner has brown skin and is of mixed race and one of the things that has been really sad for me during this time is that we have a very different experience of current events and that I'm not impacted in quite the same way, which is my white privilege, right? That I do not get triggered viscerally in the same way. I do get triggered, but not in the same way as someone with brown skin, right? I have more access to this joy and optimism because I've had less experiences telling me that I can't have it. I've had experiences telling me that I can't have it, but I have not had it as many because I do not face the same level of systemic racism, right? I face other systemic issues. But in this time, it's been really important for my partner to seek support from other Black people. I cannot comfort them in the way that they need to be comforted. I can be a support to them personally. I can believe in them and encourage them and empower them and show up for them every day. But my words of optimism often do not resonate with my partner. I think that that is, you know, there's a, there's also a fundamental difference the way that we see the world. Sometimes I'm the sun and they're like the moon in so many ways, but I, I've really had to, I've really, I, there's, what am I trying to say? It's like, I really learned to respect that, that I can't be that for everyone and Mm -hmm. that it's not always my place and that I won't always understand. And well, that has been hard because I want to do that for my partner. It can't always come from me and it is necessary for them to find communities, other, um, other POC communities to do that work with. Yeah, especially when it's it's somebody you love and care so much about, and and just like you you maybe don't fully know what it's like to be in their skin, and you also just have so much love and compassion for them, and want to help and, and support. And it's also like maybe this is where I kind of take a step back and not stop loving them or supporting them, but also know that it's not my. I can't, I can't heal everything for them. I can't do everything for them. You know, this is exactly why I have started. I, so I've shifted my business to only work with world changers. And the reason that I've done this is really out of the acknowledgement that I can't fix everything. I do not know how to do many things in this world. And there are many there are many, uh, there are many actions that are needed for us to rejuvenate this planet and to fix our solutions. And I cannot be everything for everyone, and I cannot come up with all of it. But what I can do is, I am a damn good coach, and I can empower the people who do know how to do those things. So instead of me saying I know the answers to help heal this racist system. I don't know, but what I can do is I can show up for individuals 
and help them be in their fullest version of themselves. And we are all many hands, you know? Mm. And so if I can support the black people in my life, or I can support the leaders that come to me professionally, I feel that a lot of the bases will be covered and they will go into the areas that I cannot go or do not know how to enter. And so it is not always my place, but what I can do is focus on uplifting those people. And that, that is my, that is my place. That is what I know. And that's my special gift. Hmm. If, if people are listening and are interested in, in working with you, how would they be able to find out how to get a hold of you? So people can reach me through my website, visionarypowerhouse.life which is the website for my mentorship program that is for people who are already in positions of leadership or know that that's where they're headed and they're ready to really step up to the mark. It's no playing around anymore. It's how to be a mission-driven leader in this world. So I have a mentorship program supporting people who are ready to rise into their power to contribute to the collective. And if you if that's not where people are in their journey, they can find me on social media, on Instagram, just under my name, Jonna Golden Flame, or on Facebook, and they can join my private Facebook group where I offer teachings and I do uh, a weekly healing and energetic activation, which I know sounds a little bit crazy, but come and experience it for yourself. Buckle up because... One of the ways I work with clients is I help them amplify their energetic field so that they are more magnetic and have more life force to channel into the work that they do in the world. And I, that's a free service that I do every week. Mm, thank you for sharing that. And we'll definitely post that in the show notes so people can have uh, access to those links. And I just want to say thank you again for making the time to come on today and just share your wisdom, answer some challenging questions that maybe weren't even yours to answer, but I, I just really appreciate your uh, willingness and vulnerability and just all the love and wisdom that you bring. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And it's so nice to connect with you. And I just want to remind people that when, when, when everything is breaking down, there is opportunity for new growth, new structure, new solutions, new jobs, right? There's an opportunity. All these needs are being created. And so at the same time that things are breaking down, there is equal or greater opportunity for creativity. Yeah, it reminds me of the saying, when one door closes, another one opens. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. Thank you all so much for listening today. If any of you would like to find out more about the work that I do, you can go to samsebastian.com. That's S-A-M-S-E-B-A-S-T-I-A-N.com. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out to me via email. That's sam at samsebastian.com. Much love.